This is Yes and Marketing, the podcast for people who believe that great ideas can come from anywhere. I'm your host, Steve Pakros. Join me for conversations with eclectic marketers and creative thinkers. Yes and Marketing is brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. This week, I'm talking with Pearl Collins. Pearl is the CEO of Contently, a leading enterprise-focused content management platform. Contently works with companies like Dell, Chase, and Marriott on their mission-critical content programs. Pearl also served as Chief Business Officer of Time, making her a true expert on when it comes to the business of content. And Pearl is also a friend and one of my trusted resources as a CEO, so I'm particularly glad to have her on the show to share her expertise. Our discussion covered a lot of ground, including the state of content marketing today, the importance of briefs and processes when producing content at scale, how to prioritize tasks as a CEO, and why performance KPIs still matter in marketing. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Pearl Collins, welcome to Yes and Marketing. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. Are you ready for your improv questions? A, a, improv you cannot be ready for, so I guess it's by definition the oxymoron, but sure. Your favorite word in English? My team knows this, indubitably, which is, of course, a Sherlock Holmes, uh, very, uh, I just love it. It's very English. It's a very, like, a smart answer, a smart assy answer. Your favorite word in Hungarian? Oh, there's too many. Uh, that's not a fair. Okay. Um, uh, which I think is a very apropos. I think in English, it's kind of like wanderlust, but it's not about traveling. It's like a very romantic, very melodramatic, like kind of wanting to escape, right? From the place, from the time. The most Hungarian thing you still do. Stingamald at 6 a.m. every morning. What? Really? <laughs> what, what single malt is your go-to? So Paninka is a Hungarian liquor, it's a plum uh, moonshine, and you do it for, you know, for digestive, it's good for your, you know, for met metabolism, and obviously not a whole bottle, but just, you know, little schnapps of, you know, just to get the get day going. Did you have to rewrite your employment contract to be drinking on the job? Everybody drinks a job, from what I remember in media, that's kind of like a, a quali pre-qualifier, so I think I could write in. Why is your Slack avatar also Spock? Because he's very on point, factual, you know, you know, just direct to the point, very investigative, very, you know, just calling you out. It's amazing. My Spock avatar is just because of my name, but I'm much more of a Kirk. If you could travel back in time, when would you visit? I would go in the future. I want to rule the world, right? I want to have a utopia, right? It's not even, you know, different countries or different, you know, politics. It's all one earth and we're traveling to other, other, other universes, other galaxies. Oh, I love that answer. I'm not allowed to say I love that answer, but I love oh. that answer. Most unexpected thing you learned at business school? Oi, it's way more diplomacy that my natural skill and style calls for is necessary in business. That does not surprise me. All right, we will jump into a couple of improv questions more about your origins and business, and then we'll get into content marketing and contently and the work you currently do in specializing. The least glamorous part of working at a major publication like Time? Uh, levels of bureaucracy. How many levels of bureaucracy is acceptable for you at a company that you're part of? One. <laughs> is that bad or just No, that, uh, it says a lot. It's like a question I think they should ask at business school. Like how many levels can you stand and still feel like yourself? 
Yeah. Like what is your success environment? <laughs> yeah. I realize company is more than a couple hundred people or more than I want to be at. Yeah. I will grow it to there and then I will stop. Or as leader, you can create the level you want. That's true. Which past role most prepared you to be a CEO and why? I must say it has to be the collection of your life, your journey, your experiences. If you're not learning from every single moment and from every single person and again, ingesting in and say where you want to do it differently, again, what you hate, what you love, what you want to replicate, what you want to do more of, it cannot be only one. There's no way. Awesome. Let's transition to content marketing. It feels like we're going through another revolution in everything, the economy, marketing, content. What new trends are you seeing, particularly in content marketing right now? I think some are more foundational. And maybe, again, uh, depends how you want to structure, you know, how you think about the market. In B2B, I think it's a lot more, it continues to be a heavy up around, again, the direct connection with audiences, right? So it is the, you know, authenticity of voice. It is not a promotional, right? Not an advertising, I'm, you know, trying to sell, you know, a solution or a product or myself. It is what do you stand for as a brand? So what, you know, the big, big themes are, and again, what is my social impact? Uh, what is my diversity? What is my equitability as a brand? Uh, what is my footprint? What is my sustainability? Like those are really kind of like what brands are trying to orient and really anchor themselves around and then share out with, you know, the customers and audiences. B2C side, I actually think it is a little bit different. You know, this is not atypical. They're a lot more already, way more into multimedia, right? Way more forward. They're already way more technology forward, you know, using technology for solutions. So I think those are, but again, foundational wise, content marketing, it is still a, again, am I doing it? Am I doing it well? Is it performing? What is it doing for the business? So again, it's back to basics. Are your clients that contently asking for or moving in a different direction in content since the recession began uh, versus before? Do you expect more changes? Absolutely. 7% of our revenue was in multimedia. Now it's 30% of our revenue is in multimedia and it's only growing. Right. They're also way more social forward, right? Way more aware, especially in enterprise brands are, you know, they weren't entirely disruptors to go into social. They understand that to be able to get to the next generation of customers and to connect with the next generation of customers, they have to, right? What is their social approach and presence? So yeah, th those are absolutely shifting. We do see actually content production being up because again, most brands feel right they would, don't want to lose market share just because again, maybe there's a lot of softness in the market. The competition is fierce and on. There are so many disruptors, and especially again, big categories, big sectors. Everybody else keeps it on their toes, so they cannot really be dry and lean out. What is Contently doing to prepare for the next three years in the world of content marketing? Well, I like to think that we are thought leaders, so we always want to be on, on the forefront because, again, we're giving that guidance, right? When brands come to us, again, I, you know, I talk to CMO of um, a major financial services firm, and she's like, Pro, we've, you know, we've created 20,000 pieces of stories last year. What should we be writing about next, right? Again, some are, you know, pretty foundational, um, you know, back to basics. We want to be able to say, again, why is that, you know, technology solution amazing? How is it going to scale up? How is it going to you know, impact, you know, optimization performance? Not basic metrics of what the content is doing, but what is it additive? What is it creative to the business? How is it growing? So those are all what we, again, it's, you know, not only in the product, in the platform and solution we're offering. And again, preparing for doing next. Again, content values are ROI calculator, for example. We're also building out the multimedia. Perfect. Maybe this is a good time to take a step back and ask you, 
to describe the focus of Contently, what you bring to market and who your clients are. So Contently is the number one premium content marketing platform. And what I'm really, really proud of is that it is not number one because I, as a CEO or our CMO says so, it is a customer review based. It is not a pay to play, right? Our customer says we are, which is amazing. We have three pillars as digital natives. They say everything nowadays, it's almost 2023. You should be using technology essential for everything that you do to be able to scale up, to be able to run faster, to be able to be smarter. So again, it is a, it is a software, it's a technology, it's a platform, a tech enabled solution. The marketplace is also a big draw, huge, right? We have amazing uh, award-winning journalists, freelancers, creatives who are able to engage with the brand and create the stories, right? And again, not just articles and blogs, but also the infographics and the videos and, you know, content hubs, designers. And of course, you know, it's all recommendation engine in the platforms, right? Everything is set up, like what are the SEO keywords that you should be using? What are the formats that it's going to, you know, represent best and going to resonate best with your audiences? And of course, we all still offer content strategy as well, because again, that's our expertise, that's our top leadership. So we are able to lean in its services too. Awesome. How is Contently founded and how long has it been around? Oh, we have our amazing three founders, Joe, Shane, and Dave, you know, product journalist, engineer. It's actually over a decade ago. So it's a fairly established business. The sector back then, they evangelized and they created and paved the way. Now it's, of course, an established, right? Every brand is doing storytelling and understands the connection, the audience, again, the authenticity of that they need to have as, again, their own storytelling and their own stance. They created something amazing. Their original, original friends that they created the platform for were financial services, healthcare companies, which are actually the toughest, most complex, high compliance, high governance yeah. sectors. And so have, we have the privilege and actually the platform is actually built for the most complex way. So everything else actually tends to be a little bit easier. Those are actually also, again, of course, the, our ICP focus, you know, again, the brands that we work with. So it's a lot of those, again, we're vertical agnostic. But a lot of our brands are financial services, healthcare, tech uh, companies, big enterprise brand. Content is at the focus of their clients of kind of one of the big Google movements of your money, your life of like having expertise and a verification that all of the facts in a story are actually accurate. Is this affecting contently strategy and how are you is, or are you already doing kind of most of the, the work that Google is looking for now? Exactly. So I think maybe there's a twofold answer because you always love the, you know, the tech plus human. Um, I think there's a clever way to say this, yeah. but the, you know, the tech plus human approach. So the platform actually does a lot of the, you know, plagiarism and the scanning and, and, you know, fact checking, but also again, the journalists themselves and the brands, right? The Emmys and the writers in the brands too, they collaborate in the platform to again, make sure that again, that's all, that's all kosher. That's all makes sense. So absolutely. All right, back to more content questions. I have so many for you. What's a leading indicator that content is becoming too algorithmic? Oh, that's easy. Google will absolutely have punitive, uh, right, de-indexing. <laughs> that's going to be pretty, it's actually pretty clear between, right, between CPC, between your ranking, between the indexing that you're getting, that it's maybe it's keyword stuff. So you definitely can see, and again, it's digital, it's live, it's in the moment. You can see, right, the, the, the results, the analytics, the next day, the metrics the next day. So you absolutely will see it over if it's not performing. How does Contently help your clients avoid the algorithmic focus of so many other marketers? So there's quite a few application features in the, again, in technology and the solution from 
deep brief. That's where you, uh, as a content marketer, you relay what you want to write about, right? Like what will be the format? What will be the, the topic? What will be the KPI? What will be the, the SEO keywords? Again, what are you trying, like, what are you trying to relay, right? So the brief is kind of like the recipe, if you will, in the platform, right? So it's like a specific application, but it encompasses 70 plus elements to have a well-rounded thought of what, again, what you're going to be right before you start typing. So that in itself really boxes in that, again, it's authentic. Like, again, what is really the topic, the research of the topic, the investigation behind, right? Again, the journalism, the the actual, right, like sentence structures, like all those things it encompasses. It's a playbook, right? So again, it's technology. It's a, it's a pattern. It's a recommendation engine of how, you know, what it should be and could be. It's also overlaid with human, the journalist who writes it, the, again, the brand, you know, the content marketer who collaborates, the managing editors who, again, like massages, uh, the copywriting, the copy editing. So it really, the clay is formed and molded in a way where both the technology boxes it in, but that the human interaction and collaboration, it's a very explicit, powerful, and again, authentic and human storytelling form. What are some of the top mistakes you've seen content marketers do most often in the last year? One thing that we, you know, we kind of, you know, we're going to say till we're blue in the face is uh, it's not about quantity, it's about quality, right? If we believe in the uh, big rock content, uh, meaning we rather have something that's substantive, big, encompassing, just, you know, really powerful because that one story then can be broken up into infographics, right? It can be broken up into blocks. It can be broken into vignettes, right? Like there's just so many different ways to use that one big uh, rock piece. And then also distribute it in different formats, into different channels, to different audiences, right? Awesome. So one of the biggest challenges of creating massive amounts of high quality content, which is, is there's managing the content, there's creating it. But one of the absolute cruxes is how do you create briefs for the writers so they actually are following your guidelines, what you want to write about and have a deep understanding of the content. How does Contently think about creating briefs at scale? I broke the record technology, right? So we have, again, <laughs> the entire playbook is this content marketers notice to have a brief, you almost like you're recreating the will every single time, right? Like, hey, what should be my brand tone? Again, what are my SEO keywords? What are my KPIs? Right? Like you have to kind of, you know, pull it together manually every time you're trying to, you know, piece it together. Versus when you have a, a playbook, you have a framework, the technology guides you along the way. It's all of the yellow brick road, right? You cannot go wrong. It's an art and science together. It's so repeatable. Everybody, everybody anchors back, even when the story is in the middle of the production, right? It anchors and constantly draws everybody back in. So that way the art is translated into science, into tangible, technical, specific steps and process. Hey, it's Steve. Did you know that if you listen to every single episode of Yes in Marketing, you'd have heard my voice for almost 32 hours? If all that listening has ever made you wonder, what would this guy look like in a Viking helmet or a plague doctor mask? Today is your lucky day. Head on over to verblio.com backslash hats and find out. Plus, you can learn about how Verblio creates content for over a thousand in-house marketers and agencies and get 50% off your first month. Okay, back to myself. We both know that unfortunately, marketing is one of the worst paths to becoming a CEO that 
meaning that most CEOs are like the least likely person in their company to have a deep marketing background. And here we are both selling large content packages is the way to move your company forward the fastest. What are some of the things you try to teach CEOs to better understand the power of content marketing as a channel? I kind of grew up under the, you know, like the technology data marketing content matters landscape in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. As part of that, it was a little bit less about content, but more about, again, data and performance, meaning everything should perform. So what's amazing about content marketing, and it's maybe, again, it's oversimplifying it, but the fact that it does have 6, 7, 20x ROI as a channel, as a medium, as a format, as the marketing pillar compared to advertising, which is 1 to 2x or any other channels, I think, I think, I don't, frankly, I don't even care what you're doing, what you call it. I'm going to, as a CEO, I'm going to go after where I'm going to get the biggest bang for my buck, right? Like what's going to grow the business? What's going to help? What's going to move? That's what I want. So the fact that content marketing is that. That's what I would pick regardless, right? So even again, even when I wasn't in content marketing, I wasn't in the CEO of Contently, I was still, that is a great channel that performs. That's where, like, by definition, you literally can sort your dashboard in Salesforce by ROI and by performance and by results, and that's what you're going to pick. And it is on the one of the top ones. I'm going to transition now to, to questions about management and your management style and being a CEO. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see so, what the team says. I'm going to have to have them yeah. fact check this. For another one of our commonalities is we've both taken over from founders multiple times. You have done it more than me, which is part of the advice you've, you've helped guide me with over the years. First of all, can you give us some background on how many times you've done this? And the second question that I'm going to ask is, what are some of the keys to success for taking over from founders? I don't know if I have a number, but quite a few times. I'm definitely the kind of like the change agent, you know, getting, you know, in business into accelerated growth mode. And that's what I love. I, you know, I, I refer to most people, you know, read the book. I'm the wartime CEO, right? So how do you kind of reorient the business, reorient it to growth? With that said, founders are, are amazing. I'm always in awe and in jealous uh, in the heart of hearts because, again, they they have way more right oomph and may, way more swagger. They're willing to create something from scratch or they're willing to improve something from scratch. And I actually think as strong as I am, as intense as I am, I actually don't, I don't think I have as much confidence and, and strength to be able to do what they do. So I think that's always just over impressive and I'm just always in awe. With that said, most founders usually traditionally are, again, by and large, are usually for, you know, product experts or they're engineers or they're data scientists, right? So they have a very, very high IQ expertise that, again, they're, they're able to kind of see like, hey, here's what that solution looks like. Here's what that, you know, the product that offering is. They create that, they get it going. But I do believe, for better or worse, it is a different brain to, to run a business, to grow a business, to grow a team, to develop a team, to get something to more mature stages. Uh, and even for myself, as a, as a business evolves, there's different chapters and stages and different types of leadership that's needed. As a wartime CEO, I'm really good between, you know, 10 million and 100 million. I get a little bit, you know, antsy and bored after 100 million. To your, you know, we talked about earlier, right? Once, the, you know, the business gets too big. It's maybe not as interesting, different kind of approaches, different kind of mindset, different kind of skills that are needed. So again, founders have their place and us, our type of CEOs also have their place, different stage, different type. Uh, and it should be, a, you know, a match. It should be a match of what the business and the team is needing and the market is needing at the time. One of the first things I learned about this job is that the only job I've ever had that had no job description. 
how do you, how do you describe the job of CEO? What are your what are your top priorities? If you have, and hopefully we all do, pick really, really good leaders, right? Really good lieutenants who are driving, you know, what their North Star is, what they need to get to, what the strategy is, but also the execution. Uh, by and large, most of the time you're deaf to quarterback or just to safeguard, right? Or again, remove roadblocks, guide, coach, develop. I am an operational CEO, so I tend to get more in the weeds. I'm super interested in how things get done. I'm super interested in, you know, improvement. I'm super interested in focusing on the users, focusing on the customers, focusing on revenue, focusing on just, you know, execution overall. Maybe the the, the 5 or 10% of the job is just really then what is the overarching strategy, right? Like, what are we really trying to shoot for? What are the different options, right? How do we really want to grow? Maybe how, how do you want to scale? Or maybe how do you want to you know, call a pocket, where should we go? Again, bigger North Stars, even larger force, you know, market forces like maybe IPO, or maybe you do need to buy companies or maybe you need to, you know, sell. So those are the larger thematics that you always want to scan through and talk with your leadership and kind of understand what signals are back. So therefore, those are decisions that you're, you're gathering and you're making. And again, getting the buy-in or the input from your leadership as well. How do you prioritize your time? So as a CEO, everyone's coming in to grab your time. They're filling up your calendar. They're asking for this or that. How do you make it so you're leading where your time gets spent as opposed to your requests are leaving you? Ooh, that's a very dangerous question uh, because mm-hmm. uh, as 99%, not just my team, but everybody, you know, our board, investors can tell you I'm very ruthless with my decision making and I'm very purposeful and intentional where I spend my time. So I actually use uh, a task management task allocation system for myself. And the reason I believe that is very, very important and strong, because to your point exactly, right? It's not that the, the incoming asks are not, I'm not taking orders. I, you know, do a quick scan of what makes sense. Again, what is going to be the impact? Is this really going to move the needle? And again, I'm very ruthlessly kind of punted out further or, depri- you know, reprioritize or deprioritize things to make sure, again, I'm spending my time where I feel where my advisors and my guidance and my mentors and my leaders are, you know, kind of, we're all swirling around what it should be. So I'm pretty ruthless about that. I think the other reason that it works really, really well is because right in a vacuum, in a day-to-day or weekly, it's easy to be like, oh, here's just, I'm, you know, I'm picking up the next time, next spot. Um, however, when you have a little bit broader view, right, a little bit you know, more removed, the bigger pool, then again, now you're going to be able to say, oh, actually, no, this is my trade or here's my opportunity cost or here's what, you know, instead I would be doing or should be doing. Even with you, I was like, you know, there's... Too many other things. We locked in something early in the summer. I was like, there's too many other criticals. And I was like, nope, it's, I am so sorry. I'd love to do this. It's so important. I think it's important for our, or my team and the market and brands. But I was like, nope, let, you know, I'd love, you know, love to, you know, delay and, and reprioritize. And you're like, yep, game on. So yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty ruthless. I know you spend a lot of time mentoring next uh, generation leaders, particularly female leaders. Can you offer some of your top piece of advice that you give, particularly to burgeoning female leaders? Oh, there should be like 20 million books on this. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, that could be a really, really long topic. Number one, um, I think it's still sometimes shocking how little support and advice and help people ask for. Uh, and I don't, and there's just not just, you know, female gender is kind of like across all, all, all types and perspectives. So I think that's interesting that our people are just not necessarily bring, willing to put themselves out there to be vulnerable. It is extra effort, energy, time, and everything else. Not just on the mentor and the leader, but also like obviously the mentee and, and it's, you know, that love and, and extra energy and support. Number two, I also 
and feel very strongly that most people, including women, should be way bolder. And by bold, I mean assertive, assertive, right? Not aggressive, not, you know, creating havoc, but um, just more bold in decision-making, in what they want, in speaking up. It's shocking when people, again, make certain asks. Usually like, people are like, oh, great, this is what you're trying to do. Then let, let me try to figure out how I can help, right? So I think that the leaning is way more positive and often than not. We've made it, you survived to the wrap-up round and I'll hit you with some, some final questions that we ask all of our guests. Your best piece of contrarian marketing advice. Contrarian marketing advice. I'm still going to go with performance. It is not 2002. You know, it's not just like you did the tree fall in the forest. Every story that we're creating, everything, again, every conversation dialogue that we're having with the audiences should have a meaning, should do something. There should be some KPI. What are we trying to, you know, what are we trying to get out of it? What are we trying to, again, achieve with, the, you know, our customers and audiences? It has to perform. Every brand society is all about growth and evolution and all brands are focused, right? That It's not a, to your point, right? It's not a, hey, here's what happened this quarter. Here's what happened this, you know, this whole weeks or months and, and year. It's all about the 20, 30, 50 year plan. And for that, growth is essential. And for growth is has to, everything that you do has to perform. Who are some of the marketers or other business leaders that you're currently following or that you recommend following? Oh, I don't know. Is it is it too too obvious or cheesy to you know promote all the amazing brands that we work with? All of our case studies shows like all the brands, like what they achieved. Chase to Dell to Marriott, like there's just so many amazing marketers out there, and they're not just walking, but they're also running. Right? They're making the connection. They're creating the attribution model. They're understanding where all the again different marketing channels. What are they doing? How they're intertwining? How they again? How do they make sense together? One of our founders, Shane, is a great, you know, writer, book writer. Also, he started his own new business as well. Shane Snow, he has his own marketing academy. Okay. Are there any topics that we didn't cover today that you wanted to make sure we that we covered? <laughs> Maybe I'm going to be cheeky. If we didn't cover it, AI, I don't think it's going to be a sector. I think it's going to be peanut buttered across and, you know, become an application across everything. There's so many tools. Everybody's talking about it. I just don't think it's going to be AI. It's going to be a sector. It's going to be a great application to be able to have a lot of the heavy lift off of the writers and the, and the you know, creators. And then you're able to, again, lean in as a human, again, put the art to the science. Now, we have clients who are already using some AI and it's pretty, it's a little bit brutal and raw right now. Cool. We are in the uh, exact same viewpoint that we are looking at to enhance our writers and uh, make us stronger and more efficient and hopefully drive up quality. I was just talking with one of the AI companies today. Oh, this is the same cycle of all technology. It's going to take yeah. all the jobs. No, it's going to be a tool that actually goes part of it and jobs change. Thank you for bringing that up. Pearl, how can people follow you and contently after the show? We have an amazing newsletter, The Content Strategist. That's a thought leadership for all content marketers. I would highly recommend. Uh, coming to our site, of course, is easycontently.com. LinkedIn following is also amazing. Twitter, right? Contently handle. Uh, and we are on Instagram as well. Uh, and we are leaning into further into TikTok, although my, my team probably will tell you not to, not to, you know, share the light yet as we're true. We're, we're, <laughs> we're stretching that muscle up. Yes. Pearl Collins, thank you so much for joining me on Yes and Marketing. Thanks for listening to Yes in Marketing. If you enjoy the show or learned something new today, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. Thanks. <laughs>